Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. What gives me confidence about investment decisions? Rigorous fundamental research with portfolio managers focused on the long term who look beyond the spreadsheets to understand the companies they invest in from break room to boardroom, who know the only way to get a 360 degree view is to go around the world to get it. Can I rely on in-depth research to give me steadfast confidence? With Capital Group, I can. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by one of my all-time favorite people in in around the profession, Peter Diamantides. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. It's so cool to chat to you. Always great to catch up. And of course, uh, you, you're stuck in Sydney in lockup, and I'm stuck in Queensland, so the only way we can do it is uh, online meetings. Exactly. Don't we love virtual? Yep, absolutely. Now uh, let's uh, let's get started. You're um, for those people who don't know you, which I can't imagine. There's very many. You're a business owner, uh, financial planner uh, in the in city in, in the city of Sydney, or, or sort of. Uh, more, I think you've moved towards more uh, independent location, independent now, haven't you? We have. We went fully virtual last November. Yep, fantastic. Yes, so you, but we sort of, you know, this, the team all live in Sydney. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you moved out of your uh, your offices in North Sydney. Exactly. Uh, and uh, as I just sort of mentioned, I threw something out there before as we were chatting before we uh, recorded this, that uh, you're a bit of a zagger. When, uh, when everyone else zigs, you zag. And this probably reflects back from even if I think about your business, you, you, everyone else is going, oh, we need, to, we need to segment our client base and, and pick up the A's and B's and, and get rid of the C's and D's and all that sort of um, talk that went on. And you went, well, in that case, I'll, I'll zag. I'll go for the C's and D's. <laughs> I've never looked at it that way, but you're absolutely right. Maybe I'm just obtuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're also an actuary, so technically you're, what do they call it? Correlation coefficient or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just sounding cooler and cooler. I know, I know. I like to. You're the. You're weird. We love you. You're different. Yeah. You That's the, the word. Yeah. Uh, so, so, sorry for that amazing uh, introduction. I'm, I'm sure you're very proud of it. Uh, but uh, but tell us about what you uh, what, 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 where, where you're at at the moment in terms of what we're doing. Yeah, with business and and um, and. Yeah, look, um, the business and the team are just you know neck deep in all of the changes that we've got going on right now. Um, I've honestly, and we said this in the team meeting the other day. I've never been more grateful to be tech savvy. Never in my business have I been more grateful to have a whole lot of systems in place. It doesn't mean it's not hard, but if we were trying to do some of this stuff manually, honestly, I might pack up. You know, I might just go, this is too hard. So I'm incredibly grateful that we're both tech savvy and willing to learn really fast. And so it's pretty intense in that sense. There's, It's a bit frustrating because there's a lot of doing in the business, but, you know, right now it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of growing, you know, because we're just busy doing. So... But I'm really proud of the team. They're just, you know, head down, let's get it done, um, which is great. Uh, but I think they're looking forward to, you know, a period in the future when we can sit back and get back to the sort of innovative stuff we love doing, you know, and it's what lights all of us up. So, yeah, really, really busy. I hate that word, but really, really intense and lots on. Um, but a lot of it inward, which, you know, frustrates me a little bit, I have to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, you, you did, did mention tech savvy and I've sort of always noticed that you've always leant in towards um, solving problems and, and push, putting tech as a solution to solve problems. Um, I guess uh, to me, it's it's kind of an attitude though, isn't it? Like leaning in, leaning into a problem. It is. And I think, um, you know, first identifying them. So we just constantly, like we have uh, an issues list or, a, you know, a problems list that we just constantly work on and we're constantly adding to it. So we just see it as a perpetual process. Uh, and so that's something that, that the business now just does and it's in our DNA. And so, um, I've, you know, that makes a difference too because we've learned how to prioritise those. So when new things come up, it goes on the list, it gets shuffled around in priority and then we just knock off the next one. So I have to admit the 
uh, fear or the stress of a whole lot of this change, I would say probably is reduced for us because we already had a mechanism that, you know, allowed input and created output of these side types of things. Um, whereas I'm betting there's a lot of people out there, you know, pulling their hair out uh, because of just the extra layers of, of process and admin and, and back office. It's just so frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. The change has been the uh, the true constant, hasn't it? Yes, exactly. And uh, and you're absolutely right. Some people are coping better than others, and uh, and you know I think um, just having that flexibility to be able to you know make sure that you're constantly changing and updating. And I like the idea of having an issues list and just solving it and ticking it off. It sort of helps from the uh, from the l- logical brain point of view. Doesn't it? And I think it's like um, those of us that have a notepad next to the bed because we, you know, we wake up and we think of something, you know, the, the way to help yourself go back to sleep is just to write it down. And so for the business, that's what we do too. When something comes up, you know, we don't get frantic about it. We write it down and we have a way to handle it. So it sort of, it just bleeds out any sort of tension or, or focus on it that's unnecessary. It's the resolve thing, isn't it? The finish what you started. Hey, that yep. reminded me, there was a, I someone said if you've got a, st- a song stuck in your head, you've got to actually finish the song and then you can get it out of your head. <gasps> Is that the way to do it? <laughs> apparently, apparently. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> I'm going to try it next time. <laughs> Jeez, we've got all the, gold, all the gold happening here on the don't, XY don't Advisor we. podcast. <laughs> Just write that one down. Write that down so that you can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one of the things that you do a lot in the industry is you speak and you're at events. Uh, you talk um, and you present. And uh, one of the things that we've chatted about in the past is, you know, how do we get more people into that position of being able to, you know, be available for speaking uh, speaking potential? Absolutely. And I think um, <clears throat> one of the things I've noticed, so... I mean, I love to present. Part of that's my background. You know, I did tap dancing for 20 years. And so that's that concept of performing, I guess, um, is something that's innate to me. But uh, over time, what I've noticed is it's a bit of an also end in our industry. It's it's a, you know, some people, you know, they might say, gee, that's a good presenter, but they don't see it as a path they should necessarily develop. You know, they don't see it as something that would be great to have more of us doing. And so I actually went off and invested a whole lot of time and money in developing that, you know, and so developing both my presenting skill, the storytelling skill, the designing presentation skill, like, you know, and I continually invest in that as a skill, just like we all invest training ourselves as advisors. I sort of took the speaking thing that seriously. Um, and so, yeah, we've, I've sort of really lent in and I've, I've got to say, you know, there's, there's not enough of us from the public's perspective uh, getting out there and talking to them and engaging with them and connecting with them. Um, yep. You know, and and the people that do, um, you know, generally all look alike, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so, you know, it's a challenge, um, uh, you know. And, th- but- and this is a really good conversation. We'll lean into this in a second because I, I, I want to come back to pre- presenting, but I will lean into this in a moment. The, the concept of uh, that you're absolutely right. There is a lot of speakers that look the same. Um and you know, from a from a historical point of view, this industry and many other professions uh, and industries um, has been, you know, male, pale, stale, white, dominated, uh, older business owners, um, uh, you know, the same, um, you know, that you know, they're, they're very much the same, and. Yep. Uh, and 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 certain things are changing in certain areas. Some are faster than others, and some still need some work. So we'll get we'll get into that. But I want to go back to this presenting thing mm. because you do you have some amazing stuff, and you mentioned a few things very quickly, and you skipped over them. And I want to just pull you up on them if that's okay. Yeah. Um, there is the the skill involved in practicing with presenting. There is also you mentioned design presentation, which is actually a branding of your slides and how you speak and and all of the branding that goes with it. There is um, a speaker pack, which you also included in that branding, which essentially promotes you as a speaker, what you do and can talk about. Yeah. Um, and then there is the then there's the content. Yes, absolutely. And it's really interesting to think. So as I started um, investing energy in this, you know, we're all set our standard often by what we experience, right? So when you've been to conferences in the industry, then that, hey, that's the quality of speakers. And there's a variety, like anything of quality. Okay, there's my range. Whereas once I started leaning in, learning, going and getting trained by people that are experts, um, you know, there's a broader range and there's a higher sort of level or quality you can reach to. And at that level, you know, somebody, for example, somebody's slides, they're a soundtrack. They don't hold information. You know, in our industry, there's bullets and we read the bullets out and then we go to the next slide and then there's a graph 
and we explain the graph and then we go to the next slide and there's more bullets, you know, like it's, I mean, I could, I could probably write anybody's, you know, slides for the industry, um, particularly, you know, I feel for fund managers, we're all there to get, you know, technical stuff, but it's the same, you know, bullets, 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 graph, bullets, the, bullets, bullets, graph. It's funny, isn't it, the bullet points, because I love the idea of making a point. But a bullet is what you use to shoot something, right? Correct. You're killing us, you know. So, and and let's just talk about the graphs for a moment because how many sessions have you sat in? So you're in a room of people who are all qualified, right? We all understand numbers and finance, and yet the poor presenter has to explain their graph because it's that complicated. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if you need to explain it, you shouldn't use it, right? It's the wrong tool to communicate, you know, whereas if your slide can be more like a soundtrack. So I don't know if if you've ever watched a movie or a TV show when they haven't put the sound on, right? So you're getting people talking. All the dramatic, all the drama, doesn't you you lose the drama. So it just enhances the drama. It doesn't actually give script. You know, it doesn't, you know, it, it gives you tone. I mean, things like things like Star Wars, you know, when you see presenters do this really well, it's the, it's not Star Wars, sorry, Jaws. Oh, now I have to finish the song in my head. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Now it tells you something bad's going to happen. When really great presenters do this well, the tone of their slides start to change as the energy or the tone of their presentation changes. So it's at that level the slides, you know, can be used rather than information dump, you know, and I'm still learning in this respect because my instinct is to give lots of value. And so, you know, often we feel like the value is in the slide (laughs) and the truth is the value is in you and the way you connect and the storytelling you can undertake and the slides are the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah. So that's something that's a transition over time. And it's, it is quite different. And in fact, you know, I'll often get um, comments to that effect where, um, you know, I'll be asked to, oh, Peter, can you come and speak at our conference? You know, maybe it's a dealer group. Conference. Absolutely. Can we get your slide pack, pack ahead of time? Sure. <laughs> Send it. And uh, is this all? I'm like, <laughs> yep. But there's no information. I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. I'll give them the information. I'll have a landing page with some things on it. You know, it's all good. (laughs) How are we supposed to assess the CPD if there's no uh, bullet points? Yeah. Correct. Learning Correct. objectives. It is funny, isn't it? Because that's that's led that that whole idea of the CPD has led um, a lot of the presentations that take place. It has, and I think the um, the danger of that is uh, that's all it leads. You know, the thing you measure, yep. you get. So if we only measure CPD and the things within CPD, all of which are good, but that's all we get. Um, And, you know, at an event, I think we can get more. You know, I think we can add more than that um, and and really get people transformed. I mean, that's, you know, a great presentation will transform somebody and encourage them to act. Yeah. That's when it rocks. So what I'm getting from this quick chat is the, the concept around leaning in like if you like becoming a presenter or a speaker um and let's let's tackle that um i'm i'm probably not good enough let's tackle this now i'm probably not good enough to be a presenter peter cods wallop <laughs> anybody that says that to me <laughs> now i wouldn't say that to them in their face I'm so you wallop them with a cod literally <laughs> exactly. Lucky we've Smack. got social lucky social distancing is in place i'd say look I, it's um It's really interesting, the stories we tell ourselves, uh, because it is all in our minds. So the mindset around speaking, I mean, there are people who would prefer to get in a cage and drop into an ocean of great white sharks, literally would prefer. I'm doing that in a couple of weeks. Excellent. If I can get get to South Australia. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you're happy to do both. Um, Kudos oh yeah, to you. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there are people like they they actually would say that, yes, just put me in the cage. I don't want to get up on stage. Now that is in your mind. You know? So it's it's something we've created is this big, dramatic, negative, awful thing. Um, and it doesn't need to be. And and if it's a fear of not being good enough or setting a standard of what you expect, then one of uh, what I would say to that is one of the most powerful presentations I've ever been to. Um, it was a, a young woman who was presenting on a particularly traumatic situation in her life. Um, she, I would describe her, and this is a horrible expression, but to create the picture, quite mousy. She was turned in, her shoulders were down, her head was down the whole session. She never met our eyes. It was slightly mumbly. The guy had to mic her up and turn her up, but we were mesmerized for 45 minutes. 
absolutely mesmerized. She nailed that presentation in her way. So I think we probably need to reposition the way we think about presenting. We don't need to all be newsreaders, right? I think we all sort of have this mental picture of, you know, structured where do my hands go and, you know, walk this way and you walk. That's not what people are looking for anymore. We all, ex- you know, expect authenticity, you know, yep. and I say, so be authentic. Authentic, And if that means you like me, you know, I wear jeans and a dorky T-shirt and a jacket on stage, then that's me. You know, yep. you know what you're getting. So, yep. um, and that's powerful. And to your point about brand, when you lean into that, um, it can actually enhance the messaging. So, uh, I, you know, we debated this with my um, speaker coach, uh, Andrew Griffiths, and, you know, what you wear on stage just like your slides is part of the soundtrack. It's all part of the messaging. Um, and, you know, I could choose to wear a suit if that was suited my brand, but it doesn't. Anybody that knows me knows that doesn't suit my brand. I am a dork and I do run around a lot on stage and I wear brightly colored boots and I, you know, I've got funny logos, might be a Star Wars logo, who knows, on, on a T-shirt. You know, it, that suits me. And the minute I stand, get up on stage, people know they're going to get something different to what they've seen before. That's powerful. You yeah. know, they're already opening their minds, you know. Yep. So, you know, all of that is something that we can all develop without feeling like we're suited to be a speaker. Yeah, I think uh, I think that authenticity is a really good place to start. I think it's uh, really around the idea of what who are you right now. Uh, don't try and be something you're not if you're presenting. Um, just be you. Uh, be mm. vulnerable. Um, be prepared. And this probably comes back. The vulnerability thing is hard. <laughs> I think it comes back for this. I think I mentioned it before. The idea around fear fear of failure is not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but fear of people judging you and the you know that judgy yes. type you know is is what we really fear. We don't often yes. fear that, you know, getting home stage, we fear what people might be thinking about us. And what's interesting about that, I saw this in real life, actually, um, where there was, um, this was many years ago, I went to an event where there was one of the guys who was, a, who was training within the sort of group that were hosting the event. And so they got him to present and he was beyond nervous. He was shaking, right? This was, this was truly traumatic for him. Um, but the presenter earlier, so the person running the event early on in the event had said, look, he's going to be presenting later. He hasn't presented. So, you know, I just think we should all be supportive. Wouldn't that be great? That whole audience, when that young man presented, were with him. You know, they were willing him up on stage, willing him to do it well and cheering him at the end because 99 out of 100 people in that audience feel like him. So that's the thing. You know, I'm the weirdo on that stage. I love being there. I'm the outlier. You know, all the the rest of you are normal. (laughs) The fact you don't (laughs) want to be there is normal, you know. So if you are on stage and you're freaking out, just remember most of that room are right there with you. You know, they're your people. (laughs) So it's okay. You're in a safe place. They, They actually don't judge. You know, I believe it's the reverse. I believe most people are very supportive of new speakers. You know, I really do think they just go, "Oh, I couldn't do that. Well done." Yeah. You know. And and what about the uh, what about the negative self talk, self limiting conversation around my messaging not being as important as to other people as what I think it is? Yeah, and I well, you know, it's everybody's, well, and I think we're discovering right now, everybody's got a different perspective, don't they? Everybody's got a different take on the world. I think the only thing that is important is that you know you developed your concept or your voice or what you want to have to say well, you invested time in it, and you turn up. How people then react to that is down to them. You know, it truly is. And so I think people can worry about the impact of what they're going to say or, or, you know, the reaction. But sometimes when I sit down with them and really look at that, they actually haven't really invested the thought into the messaging, right? And if you if you invest the, th- the thought into the messaging, you're going to put yourself in your audience's shoes when you design the presentation. That's a great prezzo when you've really thought, all right, when they come to this room, how do they feel? When they see what the topic is, how do they feel? You know, what are they going to want out of this? So if you actually design the experience based on them, then invariably it's going to connect, right? Now that level of empathy um, is really powerful. So I, you know, I, I think invest the energy and time, do it well. And honestly, I, I, there are not many people that react badly and the ones that do generally are just those people. <laughs> so 
I'm just I'm going to spitball here. There, the people that are worried about that their their ideas might not be um, appropriate enough for the audience or, or value, valuable enough for the audience are the ones that are actually putting thought into that. Correct. Whereas the ones that might just get up on a whim and go, yeah, let me tell you what I think, um, might be uh, might be not putting that thought and therefore just uh, more of a telling rather than, um, you know, um, affecting real change or something. I don't know. Absolutely. Do but caring alone puts you a step ahead. Yep. <laughs> if actually care what people think uh, puts you leagues ahead of, of others that are happy just to sort of rock up. Um, and look, it's um, you know the the extremes of this sort of thing are the um, <laughs> the best man man who you know doing the best man speech wants to be cool, wants to be cash, therefore spends no time, doesn't invest any energy in the presentation, and comes off as off as flippant and tells bad jokes. Or somebody who goes, I really want to do the right thing by my mate, I want it to be special. They might be stuttery, they might be awkward, they might be shaking, but every person in that room is applauding them and thinks they're amazing and talks about the best man speech for years to come. You know, it's the time and the care. That's what people reward. Um, you know, it's it's not the coolness. You know? <laughs> um, so, But it's, it's hard to get that message through. People, the fear of standing up, of sticking our head up, and in Australia I think it's probably worse than a lot of other cultures. Um, the tall poppy thing is real. We've all seen it happen. And so I think we are conditioned um, to be fearful of sticking our heads up, you know, and the only way, the only way to get over that is to do it over and over again. It's conditioning. Um, you've got to yeah. work out that there's just not really anything that bad that can happen. And there truly yes. isn't. I mean, I'm lucky my conditioning happened at dancing. So, you know, I did all this dancing training. You do the dancing concert, you know, every year um, and you know, my whole family would get dragged along. I broke fingers, broke my nose. My whole outfit fell off in the middle of a number. I've fallen off stage. I've run into – like I have done all of the things that people as adults might be fearful of occurring. I did them as a kid when it's likely they're going to ha have happened and I survived. So as far as I'm concerned, getting up on stage in front of a 1,000 people – that's easy in comparison to what I lived through before. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, we just need to do it over and over again. And I definitely think you should start including a bit more tap into your presentations too, by the way. <laughs> now I've done it. Now I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, I know one of the things that you're really passionate about uh, when it does come to speaking in events um, is the representation. So we sort of um, touched on it a little bit before. Um, let's get into it now. Uh, let's get into the concept of, you know, a lot of presentations we've been to in the past and events we've been to in the past, a lot of um, male-dominated speakers. Uh, and I know that uh, certainly one of your passions is to, is to help a lot more females come through and put their hand up and, and, um, and go from there. Absolutely. And I think um, if I'm really honest, I haven't been as aware of this as I should have been up to this point. You know, so I think when we're entering a new environment or or starting something new, often it's all about us, you know, and so we're developing our skills and we're getting gigs and, you know, it's it's we're a bit in when looking. Um, and I've always worked in male-dominated environments, investment banking, you know, money trading uh, and then into financial advice, even uh, freight railways. So I actually think there's a conditioning there for me where I don't notice those things, right? I'm just in there. I do my best. As long as I do my best, you know, we roll along. And it's not until sort of in the last few years where I've sort of, you know, I'm at an event, maybe I'm sitting side stage, you know, watching somebody else present and, you know, I'm looking at the lineup of presenters and I'm like, hold on, <laughs> wait a minute. This is, I'm, I'm like a real weirdo. I mean, I know I'm a weirdo, but I'm like a real weirdo on this list. <laughs> you know, a female redhead, are you serious? I couldn't stand out more if I tried. And and I'm starting, I actually feel like it's got a little worse. I feel like something through all the virtual events and then, you know, I was coming out the other side, I feel like the numbers have got even worse. Um, and I'm starting to see, you know, the landing pages for our industry events and and there's one or two women out of 20, you know, panellists and speakers. And, and you know, it, it all... So this sort of stuff you start to notice, right? And and you might get a bit disgruntled and, yeah, that doesn't sound like a great idea and, blah, 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 you know, that sort of stuff we all mutter away to ourselves. Um, and, you know, after some seeing a certain – I actually saw somebody present some content that was sort of about gender inclusivity and that probably opened my eyes to the way to approach these things. And then 
I was lucky enough, you know, which is, it's really pleasant. I got approached to promote one of our industry events. You know, Petey, you talk on this topic, you know, we'd love you to, sorry, they didn't say that. They just said, we know you're an influencer. We'd love you to share this event with your network. Sure, send me the link. You know, I'm always happy to do that. It's great. Let's get more people um, experiencing more things. Send me the link. I open the link and it's all over again, a handful out of a list of say 20. Um, And, you know, in that moment, I sort of, I had an opportunity. I could decide to just grumble to myself or I could push back. And so I just replied and said, look, thank you for the opportunity, but I can't in good conscience promote the event because of the lack of diversity. You know, and, and as an industry, we've just got to get better at this. Um, to their credit, they replied and said, look, we agree, um, but there just isn't many female speakers. Now, I don't think they realised they were even talking to one. <laughs> the irony. The, uh, the irony. <laughs> like, wow, how do you respond to that? Right? You You're seem to have your speaker pack, right? Yeah, here's my speaker like, pack. Are you serious? What? Yeah. Um, and, oh, you know, they're just hard to find. What? Like I could list you 30 <laughs> that you could choose from. What do you mean they're hard to find? You know, and I think it's, you know, it's amazing how the universe does this, but that was the fire for me. I went, all right, I've had enough. I don't want that to be an excuse ever again. So that was my sort of moment of taking the stand was I don't want any event organiser to be able to say we couldn't find women to be speakers you know, that was the thing I wanted to solve. Now, that doesn't mean that um, it isn't going to still be a challenge if you solve that problem for them, but I wanted to take away that excuse, you know, and sort of go, nope, you're always going to be aware that there's loads of women out there that can present. Um, you're going to have the details of all the different keynotes they can do, uh, and you're going to constantly be updated, and there's going to be an ever-building list of fabulous women who, who can present. And that's sort of where the More Voices Collective was born. And it's literally just a month or two ago, you know, I just went, right then. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that's just about collecting all these wonderful women together um, and pres- and basically providing that as a resource to industry events. You know, here you go. Here's the list. Check them out, please. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, I, consider I love, them. I love the fact that you leaned, leaned in towards that. I could list you. And then go, well, where is the list? And then go, right, I'm going to create the list and then create the collective, the More Voices Collective. Um, and I love the idea that you just said too in that, in that uh, last grab about um, take away your excuse. I'm going to take away that excuse. Yeah. yeah. That's the accountability buddy thing than you from being a planner, right? Right. And, and it is an excuse um, because people elsewhere are doing this well. You know, there's um, there's major corporates. We're talking about some of the biggest businesses in the world, Zoom, you know, um, Salesforce, all sorts of places. And what they do is every major event they hold, like their conference, they do a call for speakers or an expression of interest. They tell people what the theme is. They tell them what they're looking for. And anybody in the world can submit to be a speaker. Now, what that does is for starters, that opens up the breadth and diversity of the people that can apply. It's down to the person being aware of it and submitting. You know, I like those odds. You know, if, you, if you're going to just give me the opportunity to pitch alongside everybody else, I'm in. <laughs> yep. um, then it's just down to me. You know, it's down to the quality of what I present or whether it suits uh, your particular theme. So even just that call for speakers, if we could have every industry event doing that, that would be a significant shift um, that, in the in the voices that would be heard. Absolutely, that is a shift because I've been involved in many events over the twenty odd years I've been doing this. Um, <laughs> and uh, and look, I, I have to say that there's generally there's there's kind of two ways that the the, the speaker list comes along. One is um, they have you know they put together a few people to discuss topics that could be, and then they discuss the idea of who might be a good speaker in that topic zone. And the other way is that. There's often when when you have events, there's sponsors uh, or partners, uh, call them what you want, um, but people that are funding it, um, and yep. for their funding, they want to you know bring along somebody from their office, or they want to bring along somebody that they think is a good person or good fit. And so there is there is two two schools of this. One is um, the the organising um, committee makes some decisions, and then some decisions are made by the the partners. Yeah, and it's it's um. You know, that's Tra- the construct. Traditionally, traditionally yes, that's how absolutely. it's done. Yeah. And that's, old, old school and that's the yeah, construct, yeah. right? And, and yeah. I would argue it's still, most things are still done that way. 
um, in our industry and in lots of industries. Um, and when you have these accidental constructs, <laughs> um, then it's very hard to make change of any type. You know, we could decide, look, we only want people under 30 to present. Well, it wouldn't work because the construct's there. You know, so it doesn't matter what the angle of diversity is you're working from. Um, these constructs are a major barrier. Uh, and so that to me is where, so the call for speakers is is a start. I would argue, you know, having a short list, at the very least, the short list for every event should be 50-50 or close. You know, just start there. You know, now what you end up picking after that is down to you. But I think, you know, let's start further down the line rather than focusing on the end point, which is what speaker you choose. I'd love to make some changes further down the line because I'm pretty sure the end result will work itself out at that point. You know, if we've had lots of submissions, if the short list has some pretty good equity in it, then I reckon the outcome will will be pretty close. You know, sometimes it might be 60-40, sometimes it'll be 40-60, you know, but I reckon we'll get close um, to at least move shifting the dial from, you know, the 10 to 15% we've currently got. Yeah. Now, when we talk about submissions, I'm wondering then if that's, if the case is like there, there is some anxiety around the idea of putting yourself out there. Um, there is, so that tends to mean you get a lot more of, um, I'm not going to say male versus female, you get a lot more alpha personalities putting themselves out there. Um, and let's, let's be honest, there's a, there seems to be a lot more male alpha, there's certainly female alpha personalities. Um, but there, that, that, so just for that submission point of view, um, Mm -hmm. and then you also mentioned the 50, 50 now, and we'll get into the quota word in a second, because that's, (laughs) that's an interesting, that's an interesting point as well. Um, but, uh, even with these these lists, we, we, with a submissions form, we're probably going to get more males and females, would you say? Perhaps, but, um, you know, and that's where I think something like the More Voices Collective can assist because we can be constantly coaching people into improving that. So if they're doing it side by side with us, if we're like, all right, everybody, this one's up, it's open, you've got two weeks to submit, working group, do a Zoom call, who's ready, who's not, have you thought about this? So it's coaching people to step forward because, you know, I think asking people to represent their gender and bash down every wall on their own is just unreasonable. <laughs> I think it's not fair, you know. So, um, you know, some of us may be happy to do that or even not really notice we're doing it, but if we want to truly make change, it can't be one, you know, it's got to be many. So uh, the way to do that is to build a group or a community around them that empowers them to go, yeah, I'm going to go for it, you know, and also helps them assess when they don't get, you know, when they they don't make the shortlist or or don't get the gig. Well, then talks about, well, you know, what could we do different next time? And so it's that supportive environment um, that will then encourage them to keep on going. Yep. Brilliant. I love the collective conversation. Um now let's talk about, so then you get the submissions, you get your shortlist and then you get, um, you know, after that, whatever happens, happens. Because at the end of the day, you still need to put, you know, choose speakers based on the, whatever the, the, the content's about is. and exactly. how it's going to work. Yep. Absolutely. What about the, what about the concept of um, sponsors putting forward speakers? Like as in, you know, like they're the sponsors of events. How do, how do we then talk or work or how do you plan on working and talking with sponsors around that around that yeah there's a few layers to this isn't there um look some sponsors are really good at this you know there's a they've got a team of people who look at it really carefully um consider what's a great message they pick somebody well trained they like they really lean in I hesitate to say that's not actually the majority, though. Um, I, you know, I've been in rooms when people have been talking about and the sponsors themselves have been talking about who they're going to put forward, and it also ends. Oh, I suppose so-and-so will do it. I'm like, what? <laughs> this we, we need to expect more from this, right? So for starters, let's lift the bar on the quality of people who present in our industry. Let's lift the bar of what we expect. Um, and then, you know, as a sponsor, then these are big businesses. You know, these aren't small business. This is some big brands in our industry uh, or in our country, really. Um, then, you know, I would think that gender diversity would be a real and present thing within their business. You know, I mean, I'm betting it is. I'm betting there's a whole lot of stuff going on internally and they have a whole lot of movements internally to focus on that. Bring those people into the room when you're picking speakers, when you're talking about events. They just need to fold those people in because they'll bring insight, you know. Um, 
And, you know, sponsors need to demand more of events and events need to demand more of sponsors, in my view, um, to have this change. And change for a lot of reasons, like I say, not just for gender, for quality. You know, um, I mean, I really, I'm really empathetic for the poor BDMs who get thrown into events. Some of them are thrown in the day before because somebody else dropped out. They're given a slide, slide deck they may have seen once. and With lots of bullets in it. Right. <laughs> and they're expected to present in front of... What can only be said is a somewhat heckling crowd. I was talking to um, another speaker who's big in the, sort of outside the industry. You know, they really are a professional speaker. They get paid a lot per presentation. And his view is that financial advisors are the highest quotient of hecklers in any industry he's been is ever presented at. So these poor beating, like we're just feeding them to the wolves, right? As a brand, you know, whether you're an insurer or a platform or whatever you are, I think you should give your your brand and your team the best opportunity to shine in front of advisors. Don't just throw them out there like it's an also end. You're paying a fortune for them to be there probably. You know, it, it's. I have to admit it's a bit of a mystery to me the way that, that they approach that sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just need to ask for more. Now, I would love – I don't think this would happen, but I would love any time a sponsor puts forward somebody f- to present, they just always put two, male yep. and a female. Just start with that, just yep. for now. You know, let's just see the change happen. So just put two and say to the event event organiser, here's their profile, here's a sample of them speaking, um, here's the two, you let us know which one you'd like. And yep. so the event manager can then go, all right, how are we looking? What's their vibe? What's their style? What's the day? And they can design the event choosing which one suits. Uh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, Now, one of the things that uh, we've talked about um, with regards to um, having, I'm going to go back a step here, having the confidence around the the concept and and the collective is a great term. One of the things that came up in a presentation that you did recently was the the idea around boys club, um, Mm. around that support network um, and the, the support network that, um, that I just wanted to lean into this part of the conversation with regards to the boys club. What, you know, there's, we had these thoughts, we've had these conversations. What, what are your thoughts on how we can sort of move past this? Yeah, it's, look, it's, this is one of those things that's really hard to talk about because the people in it don't know they're in it. <laughs> it's one of those things you notice, notice when you're outside the club. Whatever the club is, and I would say in our industry too, I see a bit of a cool kids club. So, um, and I'd argue I'm probably in that club in that there's a group of us that all connect across the in- industry, you know, and we we support each other and and we're all well connected. You know, it's sort of the cool kids. And if you're not in that club, it's much harder to break breakthrough, right? And it's an example of that. And the and the boys club thing that it's not the people in it know it's there. It's just abundantly clear to those that aren't in it that you've got to be in it to make progress. So um, it's it's really hard to enunciate um, what that would look like from the inside, of course, because I don't know. But um, it's certainly a feeling. When you go to an event, uh, let's say it's a fund manager update. We've all been to those, right? And they'll hire out a large, um, maybe one of the rooms at the Hilton or something, and we'll all turn up. Um, next time you go to one of those, which I know might be a little way off, um, just sit and look around. Really look around at the people in that room. And if you're cheeky, count the females. If you hit over 10, I'll be stunned in a room of thousands. And think about how that can represent itself in a dynamic, not because you're excluding somebody, but because the mere minority nature of that excludes. And then the behaviours or interactions or social interactions, you know, golf is an example, say, of how events are designed that encourage that sort of club or dynamic because that's what all the people in that room or most would really love. You know, it's actually reinforcing that dynamic. So it's really hard because I don't think any of that is intentional, but it's real to the people that are outside peering in 100%. So this is this is the the dynamic to me is um and I've I've used the word uh, boys club but it, it's it's about minority versus majority right yeah. it's about if if you walk in it's safety in numbers from a pure from a pure raw emotion point of view forget about the the technical detail yep. if you walk into a situation and you are the minority 
you automatically feel a, a level of fear excluded. that steps yep. up and you feel you know you feel excluded and so and on the contrary if you're feeling really comfortable in a room then it's about noticing and taking that that mindfulness moment to step back and go if i'm feeling really comfortable with all these people because i know them I've, I've i've met you years ago and we've you know we've we've, yeah. we've been nice to each other ever since so we like each other yeah. excellent we're in a room we're having a good time but who in the room doesn't isn't part of that click and 100%. therefore therefore there is definitely some dynamic in the room just by the nature of the fact that there's more than some people where somebody may be feeling excluded a hundred percent and you know i think if we're all honest I, th- I bet there's people listening right now and i've you know in the past thought this myself is but why is that my problem you know i mean that's that's being honest you're like why is that my problem i'm good uncomfortable, you know, and they just need to be more confident or they just need to walk up to people. I'm like, okay, they could. But imagine having to do that at every single event or interaction you ever have, you have to put yourself out there constantly to try to be included. Like it's relentless, you know. So I get that it's easy for us to sit in our comfort. I I truly get it. But I think we're better than that. I think we're better than that. And I think as an industry, if we could get this right, we will be leading the charge beyond all of the other professions, all of them. (laughs) If we get this right, then, you know, an inclusive industry is so attractive to new recruits. You know, it is so attractive to them. And and to be frank, we're going to have a recruitment pro- problem going forward. Um, we're not getting enough, you know, young graduates wanting to come into the industry to fill the hole that's, that's occurred. Um, you know, we are going to need to make ourselves really attractive to recruits. And this is one way to do it, you know, diversity. And, of course, I'm talking broader than gender there. Um, yep. All of the aspects of diversity, you know, uh, First Nations people, disability, age, um, LGBTQ+, all of them, if we can get that right, they'll be throwing themselves at us uh, because they'll feel like we represent them, yes, you know, so that they'll course. be included. Yeah, and of course, we can't just talk about male or female without talking about other types of diversity. You know, I, I think I've mentioned, mentioned the words in the past, the male, pale and stale club when it comes to, um, you know, a lot of boards tend to get uh, get that uh, get that title, the older, you know, the blokes, yep. they're a bit older. Um, and uh, they're all the same skin color, you know. Like it's yeah. the, it's it's the it's interesting. So um, I also wanted to uh, uh, go back to that point that we were just talking about the idea around um, understanding or noticing it. Right, so that is the yep. first. I think the first step is just noticing it. Right yes. before you can do anything about it, you got to realize that it exists. Yeah. Um, we talked about from the point of view that we're inside the club, right? We're we're inside the clique, right? But what about if you're outside the click? Because I think there's um, there is some opportunity here to you know talk about how if you walk into a room and you're outside the click, what can you phys- uh, you know I'm not, I'm not physically, what can you mentally do inside your own reframing to think this is I'm, I'm not outside of a club, I'm inside of a room or I'm inside of a, a collective that you used the word before. I'm inside of a community. Um, I'm, I, may, I may be outside of a click, but I'm inside of something that I can I can then use as, a, as an olive branch to then move towards being included. Yeah. So, look, this is um, – there's a lot of things and there's things that I've developed over time. Um, some of it can be ferreting out allies before you go. So, if you know there's an event on, um, then often there'll be an attendee list or there'll be some sort of like who's going is to really think about the people that you, even if you don't know, you know somebody they know. Like that's all you need, you know, <laughs> just one degree of separation um, and sort of really be ready for that and just go and look out for those people. Like seek out an ally, you know, and chat to them. So that's one thing you can do, which, you know, the people that really are introverts lets them do some prep beforehand. That can be a good thing. So if you can prep yourself, have a bit of a plan of attack, I'm going to seek those people out because that lets you actually say to somebody, hey, have you seen so-and-so? Oh, gee, have you seen Peter? I really wanted to connect with her. You know, so it gives you a bit of a mission when you walk into because there's nothing worse. And let's talk about this. This isn't just industry. This is social life. There is nothing worse than being the lone loser in the corner because that's what it feels like right when you don't know anybody and you're standing there and it's really awkward i mean luckily we now have phones so we can pretend to be looking at our phone but that's not why we're there right we're there to connect and interact so have a mission go and be looking for some people that you want to connect with or even somebody you want to introduce yourself to um if you have a mission and then you complete that mission 
you could view, you know what, my work here is done. I've done something. I've interacted with some people. I've had a great conversation. I don't need to stay here. I've actually got something out of the event. So that's one thing you can do is sort of really prep yourself. Um, On the flip side, I think a lot more of us could put our hands up as willing to be allies at that type of event. You know, I would personally be super happy to have anybody approach me at an event as a way to interject themselves and meet more people. You know, I'm a redhead, I'm female, you're not going to miss me. Um, Please come and introduce yourself and I'm happy to introduce you to the people that I'm with. Yeah, that's a really good tip actually, find Peter at an event. (laughs) So that's one really, what's really one cool way just to find a person that you can connect with an event. Um, But I also think there might be another one where you find a topic or a a commonality. Um, so yes. somebody that's in the same license or somebody that's in the same, um, or, or somebody that you think does a certain common thing than you do, um, a member of a community, a member of XY, a member of blah, 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 a member of something or other else, um, that you can find and, 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 and have it and have that, I guess, in your armory when you're walking into a meet. Look, and there's another thing that, um, look, I've never really actually shared this. It's more a, a thing that a really good friend of mine does um, that I didn't realize she did intentionally. It's just always been in her nature. I've got a good friend of mine, Patrice. She's basically the life of every party she's ever been to. Um, and we got may have got up to a few shenanigans over the years. But, um, I doubt but, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> but um, what she does is she verbalizes the compliments in her head is the way she describes it. So often when you're in a crowd like that and somebody will walk past and like, dude, cool boots, right? So in your head, there's this sort of dialogue going on all the time as you watch things and you see things and you interact with people or you think that was a great session or you think, you know, or, or I loved your question. Like there's this internal dialogue. Pick the compliments and go and actually give them. A, awesome for the universe, you know, we all love karma. Compliment somebody for doing great work or or for having a great session or for asking a great question or compliment them on the funky boots or the groovy T-shirt or the fact it's a Star Wars pin or whatever it is. Verbalize that. That is the ultimate. You will connect so quickly with a person by doing that. It starts a conversation and it just sends out good juju, you know, and and it's, it's so powerful. I've never seen Patrice not connect with a hundred people within minutes of arriving anywhere. And it doesn't matter who they are or whether she knows them or not. Um, And that's how she does it. Uh, It's not disingenuous. She doesn't throw away these things. She just picks the ones that are going through her brain and she verbalizes them, um, which is really powerful. That is incredibly, that is such a great tip. Um, I've seen a thing on bullying where, you know, they had this thing where they had somebody on stage um, and, you know, the bullying and the the person that was being bullied just threw lots of compliments back and the bully couldn't come up with any more, you know, put like it was completely disarmed the bully. Yeah. And uh, and that's really interesting because I think one of the things I love about that is it's it's not just about you. Like if I walked up to you and gave you a compliment, um, it's not just you that goes, oh, that, thank you for that. It's the people listening to that that Absolutely. also go, that was really nice. That was yeah. a moment. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great tip to, um, to, to, to throw some compliments around. Absolutely. And I think we'd all agree that there is a general level of – snark in our industry. Look, we're all a bit frustrated and and we're irritated by external things going on and well, like, you know, and so we all get a bit witty and wit turns into snark and negativity, you know. So if we can start breaking through and of course negativity and snark is another barrier that stops people crossing a line. It's it's I mean it's the ultimate shield. You know, if you're in a group that are firing off some really snarky comments and we all think we're being smart and aren't we clever, it's actually quite repelling. You know, and and it's not inclusive at all. And so, if we can sort of lift it a little beyond that, um, and it be more positivity and engaging, and and really, you know, complimenting people. And people go, oh, but you know, we tell people they're good. I'm like, well, no, we don't. No, we don't. We just don't. <laughs> I don't. I know I don't. It's just when once Patricia pointed this out, I've started to consciously do it. I've done it to strangers in the street. You know, I saw somebody the other day. I've got purple streaks in my hair, right? And she had purple in a different way. And I thought, that's really cool. I'm like, oh. So as she walked past, her, you know, I went, I really love your purple streaks. They're really cool. And like she got four feet taller, you know? So we should be doing more of that. You know, it makes us better people. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree. And, and and just that, and like the other people that hear that conversation also grow from it too. I, Absolutely. I was walking down the street uh, with, with somebody a while ago and, 
and, and she um, complimented the person, the stranger walking the other way on her outfit. And it yep. was just like that, that same thing. I saw the exact same thing happen. It was like a compliment thrown out to a stranger for no, for no reason. And Absolutely. it was just, uh, and everybody felt good about it. I felt good about it. I, was, I wasn't even in the conversation, but I felt good about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true and so simple. Fantastic. Now, uh, now, Peter, obviously um, one of the big takeaways from this conversation to me is the concept of sitting back and noticing. Um, so from the, from the speakers, from speakers on, on presentations to, um, to rooms uh, and, you know, having those networking events and, and really just taking that moment to notice stuff. And then obviously once you notice it, then you can make a decision on what you want to do about it. And if you want to stand up and make a stand, uh, whether you want to, you know, do something quietly uh, or, or do nothing, I guess, is the other decision. Um, but uh, look, tell us what, you're, what you've done about the concept. Um, I mean, let's go into the more of the collective, the, the more voices collective. Tell us about what you've done there. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> this sort of started – I, I will admit from a financial service perspective, but as I started talking to people, it became clear it's really across all industries. This is a similar issue. And so the collective uh, starts with industry groups, like collecting women together that either want to speak, do speak, are professional speakers, you know, any of those things and collecting them together, creating a list of people in that industry um, that, you know, are the, what their keynotes are, what they love to talk on, a bit of a profile, just collecting that together and then also collecting a list of industry events, all right, in your industry, list all the events. You know, if we took a moment, most of us could come up with a whole list of them and we send one list to the other. <laughs> so every industry event gets our list of speakers that have got all the info and so we take away the excuse instantly and probably prompt a conversation, which I think is really valuable. You know, so I'd love to just have those conversations with people. Uh, thanks, I got that list. Can you talk to me about why you – like, fabulous. You know, that's the conversation. So that's at the industry level. Um, and then a sort of a broader across the collective is, you know, let's collect a list of speakers, professional female speakers, you know, people that really want to lean into this as a job, as a role um, that can speak across stages and across industries um, and sort of bring them together so that they can cross promote each other. You know, so that because we all go for gigs that either don't suit us or, you know, we don't want or we can't because of timing, then why not tap somebody you know within the collective and go, I think this is perfect for you. You know, you should go for it. Or conversely, hey, event organizers, I know you wanted me. I'm busy, but this person, perfect. You know, so that sort of cross promotion, um, it's creating our own social capital. It's creating, you know, our own network of people that can just encourage and support each other. So that was the start of it was just that those lists, to be honest, <laughs> within each industry. But as I started to socialize the concept, um, it was then about building, basically building more speakers to be on the list, you know, encouraging more women to want to speak, um, giving them masterclasses, you know, some boot camps, even some retreats that really help them, A, get over the fear, B, hone their message, and C, get gigs. Um, and so that we get a, a cohort of hundreds of women in each industry um, that are well, you know, have really well honed their craft um, to be great presenters. Uh, so, you know, that's sort of the, that sort of second layer is bringing more through. Um, and then, you know, the other part of the collective will be just demanding more of event organisers uh, and sponsors yep. and, you know, just asking, saying that you can do better, you know, let's do better. Let's, let's enhance the diversity uh, in all of this and, and, you know, really push the, push the envelope um, yep. of, you know, who you could consider. Um, and even, I mean, <laughs> You know, we're doing this for, you know, women in, in industry and female speakers, but anybody in any industry of any diverse group can do this. Uh, the next gen plan is both of us were speakers on in their the sort of virtual conference they did through, was it three days? For 24 yes. hours, like crazy yeah, yeah, was, stuff, right? These people a, are mad. But super um, time zones, yeah. Right. But what I loved is that, I mean, aside from people like you and I that sort of have presented a lot, the event was actually specifically for advisors internationally who'd not spoken before and they put them through a program and this was actually like their dance concert. This was their end result where they got to present their 10-minute sort of TED Talk. Um, why aren't we doing more of that? <laughs> 
you know, broadly, you know, let's develop this skill because if we can present well in our industry, then the way we can present to the public will be enhanced. There are so few, if you think about the list of people that are professional speakers around finance and money in our country, it's a short list, a really short list. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it should be a really long list with lots of different choices, all of different looks and feels and styles and impact and, and content. So, you know, we need to be encouraging this skill generally um, for people, not just, you know, my, my agenda might be one thing, but I think it's got to go broader than that. Um, You know, we need, need more speakers. Now, one of the things we sort of, I mentioned, I'd bring up earlier was the idea of quota. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I know I know you will lean in towards this question. Talk to me about the idea. What if somebody's saying, yeah, but if, you know, if we just, quota has been uh, on the conversation for lots of different things from sports teams through to, you know, yeah. and, and now we talk, let's lean into the, the concept. What are your thoughts on the idea of quota? Yeah, look, um, young Peter. Uh, in investment banking, if you'd asked me this question then, I'd be like, oh, they're disgusting. You know, why Why would I want to be part of a quota? I want to be chosen on merit. You know, I'm good enough. I think I believe I'm good enough. You know, I want to be chosen on merit. Um, and look, young Peter, that's fine. Uh, but older Peter knows that's not how the world works. Nothing is chosen on merit. I don't, and I don't mean that cynically. I just mean that none of us, even when we hire, it's not like we interview all 20 million Australians and make sure we get the cross-section and then pick the single person that best matches. That's not how it works. <laughs> so, so, And that's the case with everything. So merit is lovely in theory, but it's not how it works in the real world. Uh, so the thing about a quota is it just forces you to broaden your list. It just forces you to broaden the shortlist. And, you know, broadening the shortlist is a great place to start. Um, and as for how it feels, you know, I, like I said, young Peter, pff, I don't want the role then. You know, if this is part of a quota, forget it. Um, if somebody approached me now, today, somebody calls me, they've listened to the podcast, they call me and say, look, we heard what you, we heard what you were saying and we've decided to invite a whole lot more female speakers into our event. We'd like you to present and it's because you're female. Um, then I would say, great, I'm going to nail it. Yeah, you know, all they've given me is the opportunity. You know, I've got to turn up and deliver, you know. So yeah. to me, delivering is the true and real way um, that you've got to step forward. The opportunity is quite a small thing. In, in, you know, the full spectrum of that. Um, so I wouldn't take that as offensive or my pride wouldn't be hurt at all if somebody said I was only there for a quota because I'm going to knock their socks off. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's sort of my my approach, which I know probably people are probably going, God, ego, Peter. Like, but I think that's what we need to have. We need to ta- see the opportunity for for what it is and take it. Yeah. And I think uh, I think in a way you kind of also need to give kudos for the fact that it was noticed Right. The yes. first, as I mean, the first tip is to notice it. Right. And if yes. they've taken a decision to then implement a quota, then of course that means that they've noticed it and they've decided to do something about it. They yes. might not be doing, you know, everything. There's also two sides of every coin, but I think that we've also got to get past that that fact that you know, as humans, we're inherently lazy. We just tend to go for the path of least resistance. It Correct. was easy. Less. I'm just going to choose somebody who I'm not threatened by, who's a bit like me. So or I'll just, I know. Uh, oh, I know. I've you know. seen them before, or I yep. know them. Or like, yep. it's natural. It's perfectly yep. natural. Yep. So I think the idea of um, forcing people to think outside their comfort zone is uh, is really is really. Uh, it really great. is, and I think. Um, you know, when it comes to a quota or, or merit, you know, what we're really saying there is I'm too prideful to take that opportunity. You know, we've got to get over it. Pride yep. is damaging. It's it's not helpful. You know, so if it if the opportunity presents itself, take it and then run the living hell out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and make them glad they did it. Like, oh, I'm really glad we had that quota. <laughs> Peter yep. nailed it. That's awesome. Yep. You know. Exactly. Um, now, just going back to the collective, uh, you mentioned it's, it's it's mainly for you know females that want to come through, and 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 you're you're rallying around and and throwing your arms around them and saying yes, let's do this. Um, yeah. Other minority groups as well. Over time, 
So, yep. so I think we'll start in a place just from a messaging perspective of attracting yep. people. We'll start yep. with women um, in certainly financial advice and services and then broader industries. Um, but over time, I 100% expect we'll broaden it to more voices, more First Nations people voices, more disability yep. voices, because- yep. What's you know? It's what's really interesting about this stuff is we talk about a minority, and in a room in financial advice, I am a minority, but statistically in the country, I'm not. Right? So there's actual minorities who truly are a small percent of the rest of us, um, and their voices absolutely don't get heard. Um, so yeah, I fully expect that the more voices collective will broaden, um, but I think what we'll do is get the structure and the value we can add right for women and that'll mean that it can be applied really quickly to the other sort of diverse you know diversity groups that really need to get um, more exposure and help yep absolutely well done uh and um you know thank you for that so obviously as a as a bloke i'm excluded from the collective i'm i'm only i'm only teasing you um (laughs) how but how can i like how can everybody that's not necessarily in the collective still help out so certainly you can be a friend of the collective. So, you know, reach out on LinkedIn and just say, hey, I'd love, and what that'll mean, you know, it's as simple as you'll hear about um, new speakers we have on the list. You'll hear about where they're presenting. You'll hear, you know, that sort of thing. So you can absolutely be a friend of the collective. Um, the second thing I'd ask of every male out there is the next virtual event or physical event you attend, look at the panel, look at the speakers, and if it looks pretty shifted to one way, just comment on it to the organizers. You don't have to be aggressive. You don't you don't have to sort of challenge them. I demand you fix this. We're not asking you to, to sort of, you know, storm the stage. Yep. Just comment. And you know when people get enough of those comments, that's when they change their mind. Yeah, just notice it. Notice it Absolutely. out loud. Absolutely. Yeah, I just noticed that there's no uh, there's such and such. Uh, and yeah. not just, as you mentioned before, actually earlier, it's not just about the, um, you know, the speakers at conferences. It's about some of the messaging that comes out online. It's about um, who we got on this, you know, this landing page, this website, this, yeah. you know, is there, is there a diverse mix of, of different humans around? Absolutely. And the thing about diversity, um, you know, is innovation comes out of diversity and, you know, if somebody ever goes goes and does a study back through our industry and the fact that, to be frank, we've probably lagged in that sense in innovation, you know, we're behind the times, you know, they may find a theme there that's about the lack of diverse voices because challenge, you know, different voices who will challenge the thinking, who will look at things a different way are how you grow and develop. That's just how it works. Whereas when you've got the same type or the same life experience all together in a room, it's very hard to innovate. You know, there's no to and fro. There's no dynamic or challenge or debate or engagement. We all nod and agree, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, you know, this can – this sort of approach of really focusing on diversity of thought, um, I think, will make a huge difference in the years to come in our industry and in other industries. Absolutely. Couldn't agree. Now, Peter, one of the things I've always loved about chatting with you is the fact that we don't just um, uh, have bland conversations. We have challenge thinking involved and, and there's always different perspectives and go, oh, I didn't think of it that way. That's a great way of thinking of it. And then uh, that and then we both grow from those conversations. So thank you for all of those conversations. Always a pleasure. Um, how can people get hold of you or get hold of, find out more about The Collective? For, if just for now, I'd reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, Peter yep. Diamantitis, I am the only one. <laughs> of that, and if the photo is a you know a short head redhead, then that's me. Um, and please reach out, uh, and I can add you into it. Look, it's so new this concept; it is literally a month or two old. It currently is is building, developing. But if you'd love to hear hear more, um, and if you're an event organizer and want to hear more, I and mean, we we want to we we don't want it, this to be a them and us. We want to you know draw people in and hear all views. And I'm actually going to start reaching out to event organizers in the industry to understand their pains, because if there's something we can assist with um, in the collective, then you know that's more likely to get um, some of my members onto onto stages. So I'm all for that. And I should actually. You know, full disclosure. We're all about disclosure in this industry. Full disclosure. I want to get on more stages too. So this isn't all just warm and fuzzy and me doing this for my sisters, right? Um, this is this is some self-serving behaviour here because I, I also want to get on more stages too. But um, I figure if more of us can, then I'll see more gigs too. So you know, yep. you know. Rising tides, you know, raises all boats. I think that's what I'm that's what I'm focusing on here. 
Absolutely, and we need to get those tap shoes out a bit more often. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Peter, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, we love what you're doing. Uh, really supportive, and I uh, hope other people are jumping uh, on the bandwagon and get behind it as well. Um, love the concept of noticing these things. Uh, you've noticed it. You've done something about it, and I really appreciate you coming and sharing. Thank you, and let's all verbalise those compliments, folks. Well, there you have it, another episode of the XY Advisor podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and Emily and I are having a yarn. G'day, Em. Hello. Yes, we are having a chinwag on this beautiful <laughs> Thursday afternoon. It is, and we are looking at doing some amazing shout-outs for some people inside the community who do an awesome job. And uh, who, who have we got today? Yes, shout-out today goes to XY Advisor Ian Jeffrey. Now, I want to give Ian a shout-out because he is an insurance specialist, um, as detailed in uh, the specialty um, field in his XY profile. But more than that, he is constantly in the platform adding value, and not just around the insurance space, just um, general questions and answers anyway. But particularly with the insurance questions, he's always quick to jump in, help other advisors, um, brainstorm ideas, strategize correct things or just make sure that they're on the right path with uh, any insurance questions they have. So Ian, massive shout out to you. Uh, Well done. The value that you contribute to XY certainly doesn't go unnoticed. So appreciate it. 